to episode 17 and a half of Literary Disco, our bonus episode in which we will follow up on our Life of Pi discussion because all three of us have seen the movie. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me are essayist and radio personality Julia Pastel and novelist and critic Todd Goldberg. Hey guys, Hi. how was Thanksgiving? It was great. It was good. It was good. I went and saw Life of Pi on Thanksgiving Day. You saw it on Thanksgiving Day, which is a perfect time because you were hungry. Yes, we went and saw it before we ate. Oh. So by the time we got out, I was like, I am ravenous. I could eat whoever decided to have these scenes where Pi talks to the author for an hour. <laughs> that's who I could eat. Yeah, that's who I'd like to eat. So watching this, I watched the movie on Wednesday, uh, and I thought it was pretty interesting that everything that I was afraid of did not come true, but actually, precisely because everything I was afraid of didn't come true, the movie was worse for it. In other words, I felt like it was too true to the book. Yes, I and, agree. Yeah. Totally agree. And, I agree. Right? I agree. And then all this discussion about, you know, all this interview section, like, it took a half an hour to sink oh. that ship. And it was like, just get, <laughs> just get him in a boat. And it was so funny because I found myself, you know, wishing I hadn't, either that I hadn't read the book, in which case I would have been maybe more surprised and maybe enjoyed it more, or that the movie hadn't been such a literal interpretation of the book. Uh-huh. The the author portion of it, where he's talking to Pi, that conceit of having the actual interview going on was laborious <laughs> and just boring. For a second, and the I guy said the boringest. <laughs> that too, forever. <laughs> Most boring themes ever. You know, it, they can have voice. They could have just done voiceover, and it would have been fine, and it would have mm-hmm. avoided the problem at the end of the movie, where the character playing the author turns to Pi and says, "So just so we're clear here, yeah, you were the tiger, and your mom was." Oh God, I almost put my head through the 3D screen. But oh. you know what's funny though? It's like I. I felt conflicted about, I didn't like that either, but I also, it reminded me that I didn't like that in the book either, and it's by noticing things that were frustrating about the movie, it ma- it made me realize that I was, you know, sort of overlooking those exact same things in the book. I, we, we should say, though, it, you have to see it in 3D. Oh, yeah. Even if you don't like the story, it is really visually arresting, and so... In the commercials where they say this year's Avatar, they mean it in in the sense that it looks great and the story falls short. Well, <laughs> Todd, what you were saying about the author um, section, you know, the interview sort of frame that that structures the movie, um, I don't think it's actually a problem of the writing. I think it's a problem of the directing and the acting and the pacing because mm-hmm. pacing. I don't think I think that's the only way you could have structured it. And so, like when you guys sort of defended the movie before we saw it, explaining because I was saying, oh, how can they, you know, get into the the truth aspect of whether this actually happened or not. And you guys explained to me that, oh, no, Jan Martel is a character. I was like, well, that's great. The problem is it's two guys sitting down and eating dinner together. And mm-hmm. it's literally like, let's pick up this rice bowl while I talk to you and tilt my head right. a little to the left while I talk to you. It's like so, it's just poorly paced and poorly acted. And I don't actually think they're bad actors. I don't think either one of those guys are bad. You're not going to watch it and, and think, oh, these people can't act. It's all mm-hmm. a pacing problem. The camera doesn't move throughout mm-hmm. that whole period. And it's just two guys sitting in a room. It's like, you know, if this is a bad example, but you know, if Judd Apatow had directed those scenes, there would be humanity, there would be life. It'd be two guys sitting around talking, but you would care about everything they were saying. In this case, they just were lifeless sort of stand-ins for human beings. Mm. And so by the time you finally got to the flashbacks where 
action was happening and the movie became beautiful, the filmmaking was incredible. Uh-huh. I, I thought the kid who played Pi, the the Pi in the in the portion where he's actually on the boat, was really good. Amazing. And, and able to convey a lot of complex stuff just with his face. You know, he... Uh, and that was my fear, is that there's so much non-active mm-hmm. um, scenes for this. He doesn't have any dialogue except to say, Richard Parker, <laughs> over and over again. And so he has to do a lot just by, you know, looking the part. And I thought he did that. I think, um, you know, the, the stuff that I, I was I upset about, really, is that there had to be a way to make it more compelling about zoo life. Um, If if you're going to spend all of that time sort of establishing that author interviewing the adult pie, there's got to be a way to figure out a way to make the part of the book that is the most powerful part of, which should be the most powerful part of the movie as well, where he applies everything he's learned living at the zoo to Richard mm-hmm. Parker on the book. The only thing that was cut out of this movie was the animal behavior analysis, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, we already talked about it, one of our favorite things about the book. So I think we all mm-hmm. really missed that explanation early on. I thought I had a couple of very... I really expected that, um, now listeners, I'm going to like sort of halfway spoil the end. So if you haven't wa- read the book or watched the movie yet, stop listening now. Um, but I thought at the end when Pia is telling the second story, I was sure, I just pictured in my mind that they would do the Hollywood thing and, you know, show some scenes, yes, a montage. I thought so too. And when it didn't mm-hmm. happen, I was really surprise I couldn't get over my surprise because my expectation had been so clear that we would get to see Gerard Depardieu eating a Chinese man um <laughs> but, uh, uh, anyway. but that was that was that was clearly intentional right absolutely I, mean, yeah. I think it was a good filmmaking choice because then what you walk away with is the more vivid story the more imaginative mm-hmm. story of the tiger that you've experienced and this other story just ends up being kind of sad and tragic and and all in your head and and you just have to watch pie fall apart yeah and that's right. where i think actually that the actor playing pie Again, I do think he was good throughout the movie, but there's something about in that monologue. I didn't believe it. I you know what? I, but that's... I was going to say, I thought that was actually amazing. I disagree with you. I thought he did a great job, mm. and it was really sad. And not doing the montage thing or the reshoot gave that kid a chance to just go ham with this story. And... Really? See to I me. See to me. <laughs> you just use the term "go ham." I say that all the time. Have I not said that on the podcast yet? Uh, I don't think you said "go ham," Kanye. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that I think that all the acting outside of the boat felt very stiff to me, and it's it's not because of the actors. I think it was a directorial mm-hmm. a directorial choice. The way they're framed, the way the camera was just so static, and it felt you know, very cold to me. Yes. The stuff outside the boat, yeah, and even his monologue, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be this sort of breakdown. I'm going to tell you the truth, and it's going to hurt me to tell. Moment, it felt like a very calculated performance. I could feel him like trying to make himself cry, and, and I don't think in the other scenes when he was on the boat, it, it felt so organic. It felt like he was reacting naturally to things that probably weren't even there. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that that he was directed to be more sort of stoic and storytelling, and those the, the beginning and the endings of the movie just didn't they didn't have any life to them. I, it's, it's Ang Lee's fault. You know, we're definitely going to be more critical of the movie since we just read the book. But most people 
are really, including the people that I saw the movie with, walked out kind of stunned by the movie. And I think they are automatically in their mind cutting out the cheesy framing because the Mm -hmm. sequences on the boat and especially the ship sinking are just so good. So well done. It's like pure eye-gasms. It's just the craft of filmmaking. The best use of 3D I've ever seen. I think I had a heart attack when the ship was going down. I felt really palpably uh, frightened. But then every time an animal, every time Richard Parker growls at him, I felt like jumping back. My heart was pounding. I didn't, I felt that the hyena was felt real to me. Oh, yeah. The only moment where I actually felt um, really sad was the, um, the, uh, What's it fucking called? The um, the horse with the stripes. Zebra. Uh, <laughs> zebra. Jesus. God. I've Todd. Lost the ability everyone. To speak. Todd is the, not very worldly wise. <laughs> the horse. that's a prisoner horse. You know. The, the striped horsey. Was when the hyena ate the horse. That that's when I. That was the only the time zebra. when I felt sort of. Right, whatever the hell it is. Tom and I were texting right after I saw the movie, and the only thing that we really talked about is that I wanted badly for this movie to be about ten times more brutal than it was. I wanted to see that goat getting ripped through the bars. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I wanted to see... It really... It would cut away from animal violence, you know, in a way that I Mm -hmm. thought really undercut the point of the animal violence. You know, like, we need to be Mm -hmm. as frightened of Richard Parker as Pi is, and if you're cutting away from the violence, it maintains a fable-like quality that is not serving the emotional story. When I saw the previews, even though it was beautiful, the um, whale breaching next to the thing, I was like, what the Mm -hmm. hell is this? Like, why is there beautiful? What's going on? So in the preview, it's like, oh, the beauty of nature and the whale breaches. But in the movie, I enjoyed that that breaching whale ruins everything. I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. okay. That is a lot. That is totally added. And I just thought it was a great addition. Well, there are two sequences that are similar. There's the one with the with the whale, and then there's also an incredibly psychedelic sequence where Pi looks into the water. Yeah. And and I thought I thought that that was a great visual representation. I mean, remember in the book the passage where he looks down and, and sees all the fish. He, he actually describes it as like a freeway with all these cars mm-hmm. and fish colliding into each other. Uh, you know, the feelings about the the ocean and the depths and nature and his relationship to it. I thought mm-hmm. it was all there in a visual storytelling mode that was wonderful and so fun to watch. It really captures the poetic voice of the book in a visual way, which I think is, of course, it, it, I mean, it's the same battle. I think that. Um, you know, they they waged when they made the English Patient. How do you turn a poetic novel into a tangible? And I wish that Ang Lee had brought a little of that elegant filmmaking to the beginning mm. and the end of the book as well. I think that I think he could have been more discursive. I thought that the beginning and the end were too on the nose. And like, let me just explain everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're too hard on it because we expect it to be as as smart as the book or as as complex as the book. But the truth is, as an experience. It's still pretty moving and, and incredible, and and visually, if it's, it's that entertaining that you'll walk away with something that that you'll think about for a while. And you know, we won't because we read the book and and we feel like we've sort of had the the intellectual experience. But if you hadn't, maybe a lot of people are coming away very moved from this movie. It, and the truth is, I went home and you know, my parents didn't see it with me, but I went home uh, for Thanksgiving after seeing the movie, and I told my parents, "You guys got to go see it. You'll love it." Because they will. I know, I know will they love will. This movie. It's yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So as harsh as we're being, then we're. we're or it's, I still think people should see it. Yeah. And I still think they should see it in the theater in three D. You have. It, it's really a great visual it. experience. I think 
this is so clearly going to be one of the 10 best picture nominees also. Yeah. I mean, it's a big budget 3D emotional story that critics have, you know, fairly universally that I've seen really enjoyed. And so I th- I've avoided all critics. So I haven't read anything yet. Very positive. It? The LA Times gave it a great review. Um, and so I, I think, you know, it's going to be in one of those conversations. I don't think it'll win the awards, but recently some of these big bestsellers that have gone on to become films have not done as well as you would think. I mean, except, except for these, um, you know, the huge concept Twilight type things. And this is a very literary book that was a bestseller, um, but I don't think necessarily that a lot of literary snobs, which I think probably the three of us would qualify for, you know, immediately say, oh, I'm going to go see a 3D movie, you know? And so I wonder what the translation is in audience to, to film going. But uh, the emotional connection wasn't there for me. Um, Were you guys surprised that they decided that. to keep the island sequence no, in? I no, they had it. to. They had to. You think they had to? That was yeah. actually the most improved part. That was one of my favorite parts. It's not my favorite part of the book, and I really enjoyed it. In the- and I was not surprised at all that they cut out the Frenchman yeah. who... Um, yeah that they bump into everything they cut i knew that they would cut and i don't know why i was paying attention to the ship but i was like well how come they're not showing the rotting carcasses on the bottom of the boat like yep, me they, too. you know the boat remained fairly clean the entire time and and part of it is that in 3d you know there's so much to see and you're looking around and i was looking for the details of the book that i really liked which is, which is the rotting carcasses because that's how i get erections um, but uh, I hadn't done that. Hadn't done that in a while. Just uh, um, rolled that one out there for the people. Did you have a finishing <laughs> button to that thought? No. Oh, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm finishing well, right I now. I agree. I think that the movie. Um, okay, this is what I think the best and the worst thing about it was: is that the tone of it truly had an Aesop, Aesop's fable quality to it. And that's wonderful, and it is very beautiful, and it it's it's a very clear tone, so it goes with the filmmaking. But I do think that it keeps a kind of remove between the audience and the emotional grittiness of what's actually happening. I mean, the the great Wyatt Mason, who was a mentor of mine at Bennington, um, I was thinking of him during the movie because the pie cries many times during the movie. All the actors cry who play pie. And um, once in an essay class, um, Wyatt took someone to task for always, you know, for several times within an essay saying, you know, I cried, you know, because this emotional thing happened. And, and Wyatt just, like, threw down the hammer and he was like... Listen, you should never say that you cried. You should instead make them cry, and then it'll be implied that you were crying because of the power of the movie. And I feel like every time, you know, they would cut to real pie, adult pie, and he was crying, which it was, he's a great actor, and it was like, obviously, he felt the power of the story. But that shouldn't even be necessary. But since Mm -hmm. it was such a fable, it it had to be. There was no way to have the emotional impact of human bones in a boat or a goat getting torn apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the point about crying is so true because every time that he started crying, if I wasn't feeling it, it felt sentimental to me. And that and that was the that was the one thing that bothered me is it, it felt far more sentimental than the book did. All right. Well it sounds like we all kind of felt similarly, but we all also are saying 
Definitely worth seeing. Definitely worth seeing. Yes. All right. Yes. Absolutely worth seeing. And and if not, uh, you have to see it in 3D. And if you're like me, you go to the 3D theater that also has the sense around. So it's like 37 bucks. And then when you're done and you're like, I just spent 37 bucks so that my seat would shake. You went to a theater that has seats? Yeah. What? Did you see this in Disneyland? What? It, it's like super sound and like your sh- it didn't move around like the old days and sense around when it'd be like uh, was it also smell-o-vision it was not smell-o-vision but like it felt like tiger pee it felt like it felt like an earthquake every time something big would happen what and so the whole theater just smelled like tiger piss the entire time well see here's the thing I, <laughs> and rotting fish but see I live in a retirement community the smell of urine and rotting <laughs> fish is, is pretty common <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this bonus episode of Literary Disco. Join us in one week when we discuss Object Lessons, which is a collection of short stories from the Paris Review. Yeah.